Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Thursday, July 29th. I'm Lorraine Gasteres. These are today's headlines. President Biden set to address the nation about a new coronavirus emergency. The White House likely to mandate a vaccine requirement for federal workers as the Delta variant fuels a dramatic rise in hospitalizations and infections. With the economy slowly recovering, a new jobs report revealing progress when it comes to the labor market, even as federal eviction protections are set to expire in just days. And risking it all to save their homes with the Dixie Fire in California threatening thousands of families in Northern California, a look at, says, a look at efforts to contain that blaze. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We begin with the latest on the explosive new wave of COVID cases around the country. 49 states seeing a rise in infections. 71 of US re- percent of U.S. residents now living in an area of high transmission. This as local governments around the country take emergency measures, including re-implementing mask mandates. The seven-day average in new COVID-19 cases stands at more than 63,000, increasing by 59% since last week. As the Delta variant multiplies, the rate of vaccination is also increasing. 500,000 shots going into arms Wednesday, the most since July 1st. The president today announcing Question a new is, plan to stop the spread of the Delta variant. We still have a lot of people not vaccinated. The pandemic we have now is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So please, 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 if you're not vaccinated, protect yourself and the children out there. It's important. The highest case rates are now in Louisiana and Florida. At Tampa General Hospital, the average COVID patient used to be in their 80s. Now they're in their 40s. Around the country, cities and states taking action. Beginning next Monday, state employees, regardless of their vaccination status, will be required to wear masks indoors at work if they cannot socially distance. Additionally, anyone entering state buildings or facilities will also be required to mask up. In Puerto Rico, masks now required again for all residents indoors, regardless of vaccination status. And in New York City, the mayor announcing a new initiative. When you get your first dose, you will get a $100 incentive. $100 for any New Yorker who goes to a city-run site to get vaccinated. Meanwhile, the Department of Justice assessing the legality of companies requiring employees to get vaccinated, a measure some companies like Google, Facebook, Netflix, Saks Fifth Avenue, The Washington Post, Lyft, and Twitter have already implemented. And with more breakthrough infections making headlines, Pfizer is calling for booster shots. The company revealing new data showing after six months, their vaccine's efficacy against COVID-19 drops from 96% to 84%. It's important to note that that data comes from March before the Delta variant became the dominant strain. So far, the CDC has not signaled whether it believes boosters will be needed for residents here in the U.S. And meanwhile, today, President Biden will lay out his administration's plan to ramp up vaccinations and contain the spread of the Delta variant. The president is expected to announce new guidelines for federal workers. Edwin Pitti has more from Washington, D.C. Edwin? 
That's right, Lorraine. President Biden is very hopeful of the steps that his administration is taking to fight against COVID-19. And truth be told, he has no choice because there are right now 100 million Americans who qualify to get the vaccine, but they are not doing so. That's why the real news started on Monday when the when the Department of Veteran Affairs announced that all the medical uh, people that work in that department had to be vaccinated. Then on Tuesday, the CDC announcing new guidelines for the use of masks indoor. Yesterday, the White House asking other federal agencies to start using masks as well. But the big news indeed is coming today when President Biden lays out the next step of the fight against the pandemic, especially requiring federal employees to start wearing masks. Now, the fact that they have to wear the mask and also get the vaccine doesn't mean that if they choose not to get vaccinated, they will lose their job. That's not going to happen, but they will have to start getting tested weekly and they might end up paying for those tests. Also, when we talk about the wear of masks, Lorraine, the White House is already doing it. So is Congress. But just yesterday, the leader uh, of the minority in the House, Kevin McCarthy, said that that decision was not based on science. Of course, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, reacted immediately. This is what she said. The Republican Party has been delinquent in embracing the science that people need to be vaccinated. And that's why to, when we talk about the, the masking policy in the House following the guidance, we always just follow the guidance of the capital physician. It is important to note, Lorraine, that right now more than half of the House Republicans have yet to admit publicly if they are vaccinated or not. Reporting live in Washington, D.C., back to you, Lorraine. Thank you, Edwin, for that report. This is about to get a lot more controversial. And now let's go to Dr. William Schaffner. He's a professor of infectious diseases at Vanderbilt University Medical School. Thanks for being here, Dr. Schaffner. President Biden will likely announce a vaccine requirement for federal workers. Do you agree with this requirement in general? Are you in favor of stricter vaccination requirements? Well, we've gotten all the eco fevers vaccinated pretty much, Lorraine, and now we really do have to extend vaccination basically to the entire adult population. And we've had to do this sort of thing before in our history, and yes, so I think extending obligations, you can call them mandates or requirements, to groups of people is an important next step. These vaccines are safe, they're effective, we need to get them into the arms of over 80% of adults in the United States. And mandating whether uh, federal state employees, for example, our medical center leadership and employees are already mandated uh, for this vaccine or will be in the near future. And I think extending these requirements out will bring a lot of hesitant people who are kind of on the fence into the fold. They'll get vaccinated and they'll find that they benefit as well as their families and their communities. Doctor, the CDC now says that because of the Delta variants, the viral load of the vaccinated and the unvaccinated are the same. Did the White House and the CDC underestimate the threat of the Delta variants? Oh, I think I did. And many other people did too. We just thought it was another variant. Yes, it spreads a little more rapidly, but this variant has 
up to a thousand times as much. It produces about a thousand times as much virus back in your throat. So when you exhale, if you're infected, you're going to spread this virus around to the people around you and infect them much more readily. So it's just outrun, to use kind of an Olympic thought, outrun all the other variants at the moment. It causes, at last count, about 83% of all new cases of COVID in the United States now. It's, it's out there. It's impressive the way it's has spread so quickly. We knew the vaccines were not going to be 100% effective against the virus, but now we've seen many reports of breakthrough infections. Is there data on what percentage of cases are breakthroughs? Well, let's take a deep breath first. There are two kinds of breakthroughs. One is those that are sick, make you sick enough to need hospitalization. That happens very rarely. That's very, very important at the moment. The people who are being hospitalized, 98% of them are unvaccinated. Now, can you have milder breakthrough cases? Yes, that can happen. Some people have no symptoms, others just a bad cold, others have to take to their bed for a day or two, but you're not sick enough to have to be in the hospital. We would consider that kind of vaccine performance a terrific success keeps you out of the hospital, keeps you from dying. Works for me. That's right. And Dr. Pfizer published data on Wednesday showing that the e efficacy of its vaccine drops after six months. Do you see booster shots rolling out before the end of the year? I don't. Maybe in the future, yes. And those antibodies that they're measuring, that diminishes for sure. But the data in the field, just as I said, continue to show that these vaccines are effective in keeping us out of the hospital. If we start seeing people who've been vaccinated now being admitted to the hospital with COVID, ah, that's a call for a booster. We're not quite there yet. So rather than worrying about a third dose for people, let's get that first dose into many people who have yet not been vaccinated. That's right. That's exactly what I think. And before you go, doctor, we've heard that the sticking point for many is that the vaccine's emergency use authorization. Is there an approximate date on when the vaccine will get full FDA authorization? Well, my colleagues in the FDA have been very quiet about that. They don't like to predict. We all have our fingers crossed. If I'd had my brother, it would have been yesterday, but it didn't happen yesterday. So as soon as that can happen, the better. We need to take that issue off the table because there are some people who are hiding behind it. We need to get this vaccine fully approved, licensed, and then people can't object and say, oh, it's an experimental vaccine. Well, hopefully we, that happens. We need to get that off the table. Yeah, hopefully it happens very soon. Thank you so much, Dr. William Schaffner of Vanderbilt University Medical School. It was great to have you. My pleasure. And now to Tokyo, the Japanese capital currently hosting the Olympics has reported a new record of daily COVID-19 cases for the third consecutive day. The data coming from the city's metropolitan government. There were more than 3,800 new infections today, while Olympic organizers say at least 198 cases have been linked to the Olympic Games so far. Tokyo is currently under a state of emergency until August 22nd. 
Lawmakers on Capitol Hill are celebrating a rare bipartisan breakthrough. Looks like you reached a bipartisan agreement on infrastructure. Fancy word for bridges, roads. We've shown America tonight that we can work together, that we can put aside ideological differences. Senators voted 67 to 32 to advance the bill. 17 Republicans voted with every Democrat in the Senate to advance a $1.1 trillion infrastructure package. It includes $110 billion for highways, $65 billion to expand broadband internet, and $73 billion to modernize the electric grid. That pothole doesn't have a Democrat or Republican's name on it. It'll bust your tire. Doesn't care who you are. This is what's bringing America together. It's talking about the biggest investment in public transit that we've ever done as a country. The most for passenger rail since Amtrak was set up. As to how it will get paid for, the White House so far being vague about the potential deal, saying the funds will come from leftover COVID relief money, along with strengthening tax enforcement when it comes to cryptocurrencies and other bipartisan measures. Negotiations for now still underway. The motion upon reconsideration is agreed to. The Senate's vote last night only pushes the bill to a formal debate and then a vote. But even if it passes the Senate, the infrastructure bill still faces big hurdles in the House, where some far-left Democrats like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez want more spending. Some Democrats aim to pass the legislation along with a separate plan to invest in child care, paid leave, education and measures to curb climate change. By one estimate, the bill would create 500,000 manufacturing jobs by 2024. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that report. Wildfires in the U.S. so far this year have burned an area bigger than Delaware and Rhode Island combined. The Dixie Fire in California continues to burn, and while evacuation orders are in place, some are risking it all to protect their homes. Here's Rafael Rodriguez. As the flames from the Dixie Fire burn out of control... They picked up some heat yeah. signals here a few days ago. Authorities issuing evacuation orders. That's why they evacuated 147. But while many of the more than 16,000 under these orders have left... Fired up. Others, like Jason Ackley, are choosing to stay. And we got sprinklers. His wife and son have already evacuated. But instead, he and his brother are working on their own fire line. We're really trying to take the fuel down so we can't get it, you know, up into the crown of the trees and stuff. The blaze getting within about a quarter mile of his property. It was a big scare, but this is everything. This is all we have. This is what we fight for. I mean, if we don't have this, where are we going to go? The almost 218,000-acre fire has already destroyed almost 40 structures, and over 10,000 others are at risk. No structure is ever worth a human life. The Dixie Fire is California's largest wildfire this year and the 14th largest fire in state history. With severe drought conditions continuing across the western U.S., wildfires are becoming larger and more frequent. We are seeing that wildland fires in California are growing in size, complexity, and frequency. It's something that Ackley acknowledges. He knows he's putting his life on the line, but instead points to managing the forest 
and says it's what he'll do until the very end. When we see them red lights and them guys getting ready to go, I mean, we'll, we'll turn the sprinklers on and we'll, you know, make our last minute prayer and we'll see what we can do. But at that point, I mean, we're going to stand here together. We've already decided that from day one. Rafael Rodriguez, U News. And extreme weather not just confined to California. In Utah, Moab is the latest city to get hit with flash floods as storms move across state. Monsoon winds brought strong, slow-moving thunderstorms, producing heavy rainfall during the evening hours. The city of Moab has asked people to stay away from low-lying areas as crews work to clear the water as fast as they can. And a shallow 8.2 magnitude earthquake rocking the Alaska Peninsula late on Wednesday, prompting tsunami warnings in the region. Video filmed by a local resident showed tsunami warning sirens blaring in the city of Kodiak. The quake reportedly struck about 56 miles east-southeast of the city of Perryville, about 500 miles from Anchorage, Alaska's biggest city. It was followed by seven aftershocks, two of them above magnitude it's 6.0. This was Alaska's strongest earthquake since 1964. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The effects of COVID-19 will be felt for decades to come. Both parties are very far apart. Approximately 250,000 people have lost their lives. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. U News on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. And now to the story of an undocumented immigrant in a miraculously lottery win. But as Grecia Lasta explains, that man's dream come quickly true, quickly um, became something more like a nightmare. October 30th last year was an unforgettable day. I won $750,000. It was this mystery crossword ticket that won Armando, who preferred not to reveal his real name, three quarters of a million dollars. But he never imagined that the luckiest day of his life would result in so much confusion. From that moment on, I had anxiety that they were not going to pay me. Without legal U.S. residency and with no valid official ID, it took nine months for the California lottery to successfully verify his identity. They finally sent him a check. So the lottery deducted my taxes and I got the check for $525,000. Then he found out that depositing half a million dollars in a bank also has its difficulties. I went to the bank to open an account, but the bank asked for my passport and my consular registration and I didn't have it. And then a friend warned him that the check would expire next Friday. So he went to the Mexican consulate in Los Angeles to get his consular registration and his passport. Thank you so much to you guys at Univision for bringing this to our attention so that we could know about this case and take care of it. Officials from the Mexican consulate in Los Angeles intervened to help Armando initiate the process to get documents providing his identity. The gentleman arrived with a voting card from 1991. It's the only thing he had. And fortunately, we were able to get his documentation to be able to issue these IDs, and that will allow him to have a bank account. A spokesman for the California Lottery clarified that their checks are valid for 12 months, giving a little breathing room to the concerned winner. Reported by Jaime Garcia in Los Angeles, this is Grecia Lastra for U News. 
Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.